Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. This is our once a month live show in which my co-host David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and our normal regular guest and partner David, I'm sorry, Jason Modulin, uh, president of the Texas Alliance of, en- of Energy Producers, will join us as well. So if you have an oil, gas, or energy question, feel free to join in on today's show. The phone number to call in is 210-308-8867, or you can call toll-free, 866 866- 308-8867. You can also email questions to Kim, K-Y-M, at shellmag.com. I will be looking out for questions coming in. But before I bring David and Jason on the show, I want to tell you a little bit about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. We have a great issue that is getting ready to be released. It's an evaluation of the Biden administration one year in office. Um, if you want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, which I will emphasize more of regulatory ugliness. You might want to read this issue of Shell Magazine. It's scheduled to be released this week. It's already up on our website. For uh, a sneak preview, you're welcome to go to shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read all about our review on how the Biden administration did this year, uh, according to David Blackman, our editor. I'd also like to remind you about our state of energy that has been rescheduled due to COVID. We have a new date. State of Energy Houston is scheduled for April 21st at the beautiful Houston Club in downtown Houston. Tickets are going amazingly well right now at this point, and we do see that within the next month, we probably will be close to sold out. So I wouldn't wait. If you want to sponsor or attend the event, please go to shellmag.com and purchase your tickets now. This uh, keynote, this Uh, luncheon, our keynote speaker will be Chairman uh, Wayne Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission, along with our panelists featuring Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners, Phil Anderson, Senior Vice P of Liquid Pipelines for Enbridge, and Bruce Fullenweider, VP of Argus Media. The moderator for this panel will be Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. I love hearing from Sean because he always gives us the latest on what's happening in Corpus Christi, which is a huge hub for everything coming in and out in oil and gas. So it's going to be a very exciting luncheon. We will be covering things like ESG, crude pricing. It's a luncheon you don't want to miss. For more information, to purchase tickets or sponsor a table, go to shellmag.com and purchase, uh, excuse me, and click on the ticket link. Um, banner ad. And now let me bring on my co-host, David Blackman. David, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing today? Very, very good. I wanted to get all of the laundry out of the way that I needed to. The Barry's like, you've got to tell me about the state of injury and the latest issue before we bring on the guest <laughs> and start uh, with phone lines, which are already packed. And then, of course, yeah. now let me bring on our guest as well, Jason Modulin, president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Jason, welcome, and thank you for joining us on our live show today. Well, Kim, David, it's great to be with you, and uh, that's going to be a really exciting uh, uh, Shale Magazine copy that, that I'm looking forward to reading, although, I mean, we continue to get news every day of more regulatory action from this administration. So uh, you've got to update it with FERC shutting down Northeast pipelines. I mean, it just happened this week. 
We uh, definitely want to cover that as well in the show today because there's a lot happening, a lot that happened over the year, and a lot more, I'm sure, that's going to happen here with uh, the uh, potential in Ukraine invasion that was we're getting intelligence today on the show that is is, is intimate. It's going to happen. Um, so let's get started because our phone lines are packed, and um, part of it was let's talk about what's happening. So, uh, Barry, let's go to line three. Let's get uh, our favorite listener in Houston, uh, Joe from the Woodlands. Joe, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hey, happy to be here. I hope y'all are having a great day here in Texas. Well, I know where I am, Adam, overlooking the San Antonio airport, and it's a beautiful day here in San Antonio. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a nice uh, uh, it's a nice weather day for Jason, too, in Austin. And, uh, David, I'm not sure where you are in Texas or if you're even in I'm Texas. In and every day is a beautiful day in Texas. Uh, and in the oil patch. There you go. Because remember, we're not just in Texas. <laughs> we air all over, <laughs> all over the country. Um, exactly. So, so what is your question, Joe, for for In the Oil Patch and Jason and David today? Well, uh, my question is uh, from the uh, uh, really nice article in Shell Magazine about LNG and how the uh, delivery fleets uh, will, at least part of them, will be converted to uh, LNG. Uh, do you foresee any problems in doing that now that the Biden administration is shutting down pipelines and um, et cetera, you know, maybe trying to block that from happening. And I doubt if electric delivery trucks are going to be any, you know, any effect, have any effect. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, and, and David, certainly you jump in here as well, but, but Texas and Louisiana are well positioned to get that gas directly to the ports and, and onto those trains and then onto those ships. Um, uh, unfortunately, we see the Northeast is going to be further constrained by, by what FERC is doing uh, to, to largely prohibit pipelines be built out um, because of climate change concerns. Um, but because Texas is positioned on the Gulf of Mexico, because Louisiana is positioned on the Gulf of Mexico, uh, we're able to get that gas pretty quick uh, to, these, to these very large facilities. And you've already seen some applications to FERC of these LNG export facilities um, uh, take on the new requirements that FERC has added, uh, and hopefully will be green greenlit very soon. Um, uh, they haven't they haven't gotten the final stamp of approval, but hopefully that's coming. Very good. Yeah, and uh, you know, and Jason, you talk about the the climate change concerns that the environmentalists bring up about pipelines. I think the way we should couch them is bogus climate change change concerns. Because look what happens in the Northeast when you don't build pipelines. You have the Marcellus Shell, the, the biggest natural gas deposit in North America, sitting 300 miles away from Boston Harbor. And yet in the winter now, when, when they're desperate for natural gas, they're bringing um, LNG tankers into Boston Harbor from Qatar, 8,000 miles away, from 4,000 miles away in Russia. What's, what's the, uh, the carbon footprint of that activity? It's just crazy. It's nuts, and it's 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 stupid on top of everything else. And it's it's awful policy, and uh, it's it's really sad that our country has saddled it with this uh, for for three more years um, with really no relief in sight. Well, and couple that with record heating oil 
consumption, record coal consumption, uh, uh, the, the constraints on natural gas, uh, both here and abroad, um, are leading to, to far more usage of these other types of fuels, uh, which, which environmentalists say are far worse for the environment, and yet they're actively encouraging uh, their usage. Yeah, uh, about 25% of electricity in, in New England states, north and east of New York, uh, are about 25% of their electricity this winter is being provided by fuel oil, and another 8% is being provided by burning wood pellets. How environmentally is, friendly is that? Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. It's Not just to mention that it's way more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Much huh. Uh, Barry, let's go to line four, Bruce, San Antonio. And if you are trying to get in, I'd ask for patience. Our phone lines are completely full right now. Bruce, San Antonio, what's your question Thank for you. us? Thank you. Actually, my question dates back to a Wall Street Journal article that I'm actually looking at because I saved for this show. And it's a front-page article entitled, Frackers Brace for Shale Boom's End. And it basically speaks to... Uh, production declines in in uh, in the Permian, and I was wondering if the experts could kind of speak to that because this really uh, sheds a more kind of like a more restrained view on on what the Permian can deliver, you know, five or ten or twenty years from now, despite the fact that we all talk about how much oil is in the Permian. Okay. Yeah, uh, we we saw that article and and laughed and and thought it was ridiculous. And I guess there's always uh, room on the front page to declare peak oil and, and the end of oil here in the United States. And um, uh, even the Wall Street Journal falls into that trap. Uh, we 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 got a good laugh and a good chuckle out of that. Frankly, uh, there's there's continued opportunity in the Permian. They've already re- returned back to record production a, a full year earlier than what was anticipated. Um, and, and it's a remarkable uh, set of geology out there. Um, but, but with higher prices, with higher demand, uh, comes expanded opportunities around the state and, and certainly around the country. And so um, I, I would heavily discount um, that article and it, its motives. Yeah, I you know I, I had the same reaction. I read that article with with uh, just uh, real fascination. I mean, we have, as, as Jason says, we've returned to record production in the Permian with uh, half the number of rigs that were operating out there that were drilling wells out there in 2015, and about a third the number of rigs that were drilling out there in 2010. And when you look at that, what that means is you must be having significantly higher production per well in the Permian Basin than you were seven years ago. So where's the decline? I don't see it. I understand warnings about the future, but, you know, that's the cycle uh, of the oil industry from from the, the time it began in 1849, is fields, you know, they rise and they fall, and they rise and they decline. And then, But what it doesn't ever take into consideration, these peak oil, theorists never take into consideration is advancing technology, which advances every day in the oil and gas industry, is deployed every day in the oil and gas industry, and that means returns per well advance every day as well. And and I just, you know, but, but you just can't talk sense to the senseless, unfortunately. 
Well, you know, it also goes back to guys that if it bleeds, it leads. And of course, everybody is looking for that clickbait type of article, and maybe that's what that was. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we want to get on um, the freeze and what's happening in Russia. Don't go away. If you want to join the show, the phone number is 210-308-8867. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. SR Trident is a proud sponsor of State of Energy 2022 is coming to the Houston Club in downtown Houston on Thursday, April 21st, starting at 1130 a.m. The keynote speaker will be the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Wayne Christian, and will feature moderator Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, along with panelists Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners, Phil Anderson, Senior VP of Liquid Pipelines Enbridge, and Bruce Fullen, Vice President of Argus Media. For tickets for the State of Energy Luncheon in Houston on April 21st, go to shalemag.ticketleap.com backslash state of energy. That's shalemag.ticketleap.com backslash state of energy. Sponsored in part by SR Trident. And we're back. You're listening to In the Wool Patch Radio Show. This is our live show featuring my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Show Magazine, and our regular guest, Jason Modlin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. We're here to take questions on oil, gas, and the energy industry. Be sure to call in now, 210-308-8867. We do have a few lines that are open. If you want to join in the discussion on what's happening in the oil and gas industry, call 210-308-8867. Barry, let's go to line two. We've had John on hold for a while. John out of Midland. John, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And what is your question for us today? Yes, with the uh, invasion looking more likely, what can we expect in oil field activity? And also, will we see a huge amount of investment in drilling, or will it stay the same? Thank you. Um, did y'all hear him? Because... Uh, yes. Well, go ahead, dude. Well, hang on. Let's establish it's intelligent. So, should we be assuming for sure this is intimate? This is going to happen. Is it happening right now? I want to get that out of the way, and then we can start moving from there. Well, I, I don't think it's happening right now. I mean, uh, you have the, you know, there's a lot of news today about uh, clashes between these uh, uh, rebels down in the southeastern part of Ukraine that have been doing things like that for years now. Um, but as far as actual Russian forces uh, moving into Ukraine, that hasn't happened. The biggest news to me of the day has been uh, Macron's call with Putin early this morning, our time, uh, in which they established a uh, a uh, process for trying to negotiate a, a diplomatic solution to all of this. So I, one of the problems, of course, we have here in the United States is that the media coverage is so unreliable and so sensationalistic, you never really can tell what the truth is. And unfortunately, the, the uh, media in Europe doesn't seem to be a lot better. Hmm. But uh, right now, there doesn't appear to be any Russian invasion. And... Uh, you know, and, and we have to remember that a week ago, our administration here in the United States was saying that it was going to happen last Tuesday. Right. And that didn't happen. Right. And, and so I just, right now, I, you know, everyone's on pins and needles, but 
it, it really seems uh, the best information we have today is that uh, is that Putin has agreed with Macron to uh, to at least try to negotiate some sort of diplomatic resolution to the whole thing. Jason, is that what you think? Because, um, you know, here in our studio, we're playing sound bites that Biden is saying that that Russia is going to invade Ukraine. So our president of the United States <laughs> is the one who's really leading the charge, along with the media, that this is going to happen. Um, so what do you think? Yeah, it, 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 it's a little bizarre. Uh, um, presidents have been a little more skeptical of U.S. intelligence for the past 20 years. Uh, and, and so to see him just declare that it, it's already happening is a little strange. Uh, then again, uh, Ukraine's been at war with Russia for the last eight years. Uh, they invaded Crimea in 2014. Right. So th- th- there's already been a war there. Uh, it's been ongoing. Uh, we keep moving these red lines for some reason. Uh, but first it was Obama, then Trump, now Biden. Um, and, and really, we don't want to see war uh, in Eastern Europe uh, break out and occur. I watched Martha Raddatz uh, this morning from ABC News. She was live in Kiev. Um, it looked like a normal day in any European square. People were shopping. Uh, kids were running around. Um, uh, and so I, I do think the, the prospect of war um, is not as imminent as the president declares. How it would relate to the oil patch? Um uh, we would see record prices. I mean, I, I, I think if Russia invades, you'd have Brent approaching $200. Um, uh, Russia is our third largest importer here into the United States of crude oil. Um, most of Europe gets about 40% of their gas uh, from Russia, although uh, LNG export uh, imports uh, from, from the United States have started to reduce that a little bit. But it would be a disaster for the global economy uh, if Russia were to invade and if these uh, sanctions were to occur, uh, resulting in, in some pretty substantial uh, economic harm. Guys, so let, let's break it down for the average listener. Um, if this happens, just saying hypothetically, if it happens, even though it looks more likely like the media reports are wrong, and so is uh, potentially President Biden, and um, they're going to stand down. But if they didn't, uh, David, you had released something discussing potential prices at the pump. And um, oh, your yeah. information was, um, you're saying, get ready, we could be sitting on a $6 uh, sure. a gallon amount. Jason, you just said 200 uh, per barrel WTI. Um, so I want to break down what this means, both of you guys, for the listeners who don't quite understand um, what that means to them. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, but I think uh, they get the $6. Yeah. I mean, we're already paying three forty dollars uh, for regular here in Texas on average. Um, if, if we have a $110 oil price next week and then $150, and then, I mean, my gosh, a $200 Brent price, uh, we'd be paying $8 a gallon for gasoline. Um, but I, I think easily we could be at 125 even without a Russian invasion by summer. And that would be five or six dollar gas right there. And, and you know, it just it, there's no uh, with all of this this tension and with with just a looming shortage of supply globally in any event because of underinvestment and finding new reserves the last seven or eight years. Um, you know, we're we're in for some very high gasoline prices this year in the United States, and I just don't think there's uh, any way around that at this point. 
And, well, and you've seen the U.S. senators uh, um, try to get out in front of it. I mean, that's why they're they're contemplating openly a gas tax uh, moratorium what, leading into the summer. Jason, uh, hang, it, it, hang on, Jason. We're going to come back from break because this is a topic that I don't want to get off of. Let's just take a quick break. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Welcome back to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. This is our live show featuring my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and our guest, David Modulin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, a great group and a great organization to be a part of. If you want to join in on the show today, since we're live, to talk about oil, gas, or uh, for the energy industry, please feel free to call 210-308-8867. We do have a few lines open. You're welcome to call now, 210-308-8867. Jason, before the break, um, David was discussing uh, prices and the craziness, and you were talking a little bit about the political um, political pressure, if you will, that's occurring on what's happening. So let me give it back to you. Get us updated on what you think is happening with all of these elected officials and how are they responding to the craziness that it seems like has been happening uh, the first year of Biden in office. Well, what I was touching on is that I think they see what's coming, which is going to be higher gasoline prices this summer. And they're trying to do everything that they can uh, to make sure that, that consumers are not negatively impacted by that. When when you've got projections that, that, that David is hearing a 4 to $5, an 18 cent gas tax holiday is not going to save you on that. Um, uh, but at least they would be able to say that they're doing everything possible uh, to lower prices for consumers. We've got record inflation, 40 year high inflation. Um, and, and that's pervasive across the economy it's negatively impacting the energy industry but but everyone down the line um uh and so we're we're going to have those impacts uh there's not going to be a short-term relief on that and then you add in the uncertainty overseas uh it it makes for a very a very bad year politically uh for the president and for the Democratic Party, especially when you consider that Shell Magazine is releasing an evaluation of how they did this past year pertaining to oil and gas. And uh, that's pretty interesting to see how, how uh, we evaluated them, or David did. Um, Laura, um, let me see, it's Jennifer, line two, Houston. What's your question? 
Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Um, yeah. I was really just, you know, I guess this news is really making me nervous here. So what should we expect as, you know, citizens and as consumers, um, you know, with everything going on? Is it possible we're going into the war? And what should we be doing to prepare? Um, I, I think you broke up just a little bit. Can you repeat that one more time? I was just saying, how do we as Americans prepare, or what what is possible to happen to us if everything goes, you know, badly with Russia right now? Okay, so <clears throat> I know we talked about energy prices are not going to be good. Either one of you guys want to talk about? Uh, she's basically asking, what can America expect if Russia does invade Ukraine? Well, I think we should be careful to to you know just. Uh, let everyone know that no one in the Biden administration or in our at the Pentagon is talking about sending American troops into an armed conflict in Ukraine, at least at the moment. And, and no one at NATO is saying that. They're talking about economic sanctions should Russia do this invasion. Um, and hopefully, it, it you know, that's what it would amount to. It wouldn't... Uh, be an armed conflict that our people get get involved in as far as what we can do to prepare i think you you know i mean you just have to plan your budget um allocate a higher piece of it for gasoline prices either that or plan to drive less to the extent that's possible in your daily lives which i know it's not possible for everyone and um there's really not much else you can do about it i i, I just um you know, I think we just have to, to hope and pray there's not a big war in Europe. And uh, and uh, but but regardless, we're going to have higher price gasoline as the year goes on. And so, that, you know, budgeting for that is about the best advice we can give you. Well, and David, that's good advice because we know that we're going to see higher everything across the board from what you pay at the yeah. grocery store to your utility bills to what you're paying at the pump. And to make it worse, we're coming upon summertime in which a lot of families choose to drive for their vacations to save some money. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. Jason, when we return from break, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the caller as well, Jennifer out of Houston. We do got to take a quick break. You're listening to on the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. This is our once a month live show featuring my uh, our 
uh, joining me is my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, along with Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. If you have an oil, gas, or energy industry question, feel free to call in, 210-308-8867. Jason, before the break, we had Jennifer out of Houston inquiring on, uh, I think there's a lot, like David said earlier, of media reports that are just running rampant on, is this going to happen, is it not? It doesn't help when President Biden says that the Russian invasion into Ukraine is is going to happen. Uh, and on the show, we're kind of saying, well, wait a minute, we're not so sure it hasn't happened as of yet, especially as of this morning's discussions with uh, President Putin. Um, Putin, tell me, um, going to uh, Jennifer's question, what if if there is an evasion invasion, we know that David is saying we're, we're going to see a lot higher prices everywhere. But are there other things that we need to be mindful of that we will see, or what can we expect? Does it spill over into U.S. soil? Are our troops going to be called up? What do you think happens to the price of energy? Well, our, our, our troops already are called up uh, and pre-positioned around Europe uh, to support our NATO allies. Of course, Ukraine is not in NATO. I think that's largely what the what the issue is here with, with Putin angling for us to declare Crimea part of, uh, of Russia. But um, uh, I thought it's a good cre- question from Jennifer. I agree with David uh, 100% that, that this should not involve uh, or devolve into a hot war in Eastern Europe um, uh, more than it already is, which is Russia uh, enacting some territorial uh, uh, expansion and, and ambitions into Ukraine. Um, where it goes here, you know, everybody needs to vote um, and, and express their opinions at the ballot box. Uh, we've had a policy that we've tried to pursue um, for the last 50 years of trying to get away from dependency on the Middle East um, and on, on on oil and natural gas. And now we are dependent on Russia uh, for some of the same measures um, uh, to stabilize the global economy and be a, a workable energy provider uh, for global global economies. So, you know, we have the same challenges um, that, that we've had previously. Well, you know, and you bring up a good point is elections have consequences. And I think at the end of the day, everyone is an environmentalist and everybody cares about the planet. But it's we're now facing choices that are hard choices, in my opinion, on do we like what's happening when we start seeing heavy-handed regulation pertaining to oil and gas in the name of climate change. Um, And you can see that this transition, it needs to be a transition, in my opinion, not just flip a switch and we get off of it. Or you start seeing all these really ugly, unintended consequences that occur. And it usually falls on the backs of the most vulnerable population, the indigent, the poor, the elderly, the disabled. Um, And so if you're having a problem just making ends meet, um, you might want to get out and vote and vote for maybe an elected official or a party that focuses more on keeping energy independence here in the United States. Um, We have plenty of energy here and there should be no reason why we're looking uh, to import or uh, lessen our impact here. But I want to switch gears. Let's talk about Texas. Let's bring it back to Texas. Uh, Recently, we had multi-day freezes. um, And despite crazy media stories um, in in advance of the storm, the Texas grid seemed to perform pretty well. So let's talk about the role that natural gas, which is that uh, really great natural gas uh, fuel, what part did it play in making sure that everybody kept uh, warm and their lights on during that freeze? 
Well, you touched on it, Kim. Natural gas plays a critical role in so many sectors of our economy, from manufacturing and agriculture, but but no more uh, so than in power and utilities. And, and Yuri really laid that bare. It was a 150-year storm uh, resulted in tragedies uh, across mm-hmm. the state. Uh, and really, lawmakers came in and said, we have to protect those critical gas supplies from electricity interruption. We've got to better inform consumers and industries during emergencies. And and it's really been uh, a testament to their work, to the work of the PUC, the Public Utility Commission, and the Railroad Commission, that the multiple snaps that we, the cold snaps that we have had this year, uh, the grid has performed very well. Gas delivery has performed very well. Um, Those two agencies are working closely together to make sure uh, that, that we're doing things smartly, that we're not shutting in wells prematurely, and we're not running out capital investment into this state. We need to get more into this state. I think David's done a very good job of highlighting that we still need uh, some dispatchable energy uh, uh, producers into this state. Thermal generation would be great. Uh, his colleague at Forbes, Robert Bryce, has a great story this morning highlighting some of the recommendations from the civil engineers and how we really have subsidized wind and solar so much, uh, both in terms of federal incentives and state incentives. Um, But at the end of the day, you need to be able to to ramp up uh, in case the wind isn't blowing or the sun isn't shining. Uh, And unfortunately, we've just put too much of our eggs into one basket. David, um, you're still there. Got anything to say on that? Otherwise, I'm going to jump into supply chain issues. Yes, definitely. Uh, You know, I think uh, every every point Jason made is is right on. Uh, The the piece by Robert Bryce, I recommend everybody read it at Forbes today. It's based off of the report by the, the Society of Professional Civil Engineers. Just really took a deep dive into the grid and, and the maladies that, that really impacted last year and this year. Um, and and he's right. I mean, you know, we need more dispatchable baseload capacity, and uh, that's something that the legislature did not incentivize this past session, and I hope they will see their way uh, clear to do something about it next year. Well, you know, on an upcoming show, uh, we did catch up with uh, one of the Texas Railroad Commissioners, should be airing soon, um, Jim Wright, Commissioner Jim Wright. And we had a little bit of a discussion on specifically that, and he kind of weighed in on how he felt the uh, the session went. And um, I encourage our listeners to look out for that show. and gets into, He gets into deeper discussions on that. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, I want to get on the supply chain issue <laughs> because this is a problem for everyone, whether you're in or out of the oil-filled uh, industry. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., 
and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I have my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, along with our guest, Dave, uh, Jason Modulin, <laughs> president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, joining me today. Jason, I apologize. I've called you David two times today. <laughs> um, guys, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about um, the supply chain issues. Uh, when David and I caught up with Commissioner Wright, you know, he discussed his personal company is having supply chain issues, uh, just finding parts for their uh trucks. Um, so this is affecting auto parts. It's a spec, It's uh, affecting grocery store chains. Um, it's affecting every part of daily living, the supply chain issue. And of course, the energy sector is at the heart of it. So let's begin there with Jason. Tell us what the real problems are with supply chain issues nationally, globally, and then maybe we can, you know, whittle it down to what can the average consumer expect because of these supply chain issues because of the Biden administration and their inability to understand how important supply chains are? Well, that's a big macro question. (laughs) Um, There are major challenges for operators right now in finding people, uh, sand, and steel. Um, And and I think a lot of that comes from supply chain issues. uh, whether it's em- employment challenges, people are finding uh, competitive pay uh, elsewhere and, and, and they're jumping out of the oil and gas industry or they're moving on to other things. Um, we're seeing a definite challenge with sand, particularly in the Permian Basin. Um, but we're also seeing a lot of innovation there. Uh, you have a lot of new companies kind of popping up, new uh, operators that are utilizing both wet and dry sand. Uh, met with some companies that do recycling of sand and, and are able to kind of deliver it quicker, almost like your, your Uber Eats uh, uh, type type function, get it there pretty quick too. So, um, so that's exciting to see. And then, and then we certainly have uh, steel challenges uh, uh, that the commissioner alluded to um, where we're still constrained by some of these ports coming into the country um, that have limited our ability to, to import large machinery import raw materials um as well um and, and so it, it's it's a significant challenge coupled with the fact that that you've got that 40-year high inflation you have operators in both their their uh, public media calls uh, uh on investment um uh investor relations but but also privately just say inflation's going to slow us down a little bit this year um uh, with some of our development plans uh, we had some pretty rosy pictures from from World Oil, hoping that uh, it, we would see about a 20% expansion 
uh, this year in Texas, um, but uh, inflation can eat that up pretty quick. David, when do you see the light at the end of the tunnel, or do we this year? Well, you know, I think there's always light at the end of the tunnel in this industry. Yes, I mean, we we do have these challenges. There's no doubt about it. Frack sand, uh, we're seeing the the news reports about shortages of frack sand, and that could put a real damper on expansion of the industry if it lingers, if it lingers. But, but, you know, our our industry has this long history of of having challenges like this face it and, and responding very quickly and you know, it's a very nimble and creative minded industry. And uh, so I do think that there's reason to be optimistic, particularly here in Texas, about the domestic industry. Uh, the resource is just so massive and so rich uh, across our state that there's always reason to be optimistic. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to lend in the show on an up note, I'm trying. Um, but, yeah, there are real challenges, and, and the industry, you know, is, is having to work real hard to address them. Very good. Jason, I want to switch gears a little bit and uh, ask you to enlighten us. Recently, we have a obviously a, an election going on. Um, our Texas Railroad Commission, Commissioner Wayne Christian, is up for re-election, and he's had some, of course, uh, individuals running against him. One of them specifically passed away last week. Um, in a tragic car accident, and um, he is on the. He officially put in, his, submitted his paperwork to run. And then I want to switch gears and talk about a female that's running as well. But first, let's talk about the individual who passed away. Um, I believe his name is Sarge Sumners. Is there a possibility that he could actually be elected, even though he's passed on? Can you kind of give us like an update on how does this work if somebody passes but is still on the ballot? Is it possible for him to still be on the ballot? And what happens if he should get elected? Yeah, so he is on the ballot uh, across the 254 counties here in Texas. Um, he certainly uh, is it, it could possibly um, uh, be elected, and and, and uh, just my thoughts and and heart and prayers go out to his family uh marvin summer sarge um uh and and all of his friends and, and co-workers that worked with him uh it was a tragedy uh, there in midland um but but yes uh election code once you're on the ballot you're on the ballot and so whether you uh are um or deceased or in jail uh you're still on the ballot um and, and then um, the party can take steps afterwards uh, to put somebody else in as a nominee. Okay. Well, let's switch gears and, and talk about, um, I was reading an article on social media. It's kind of comical, but it's really not. Um, it's it's very uh, troubling to see a, a woman, and I'm not, as a woman, I'm just saying this. I believe an elected office is something that should be taken extremely serious because of the fact that there are such great decisions that are that they're weighing anytime they're passing laws and regulation. And we have a, a, a woman who is running for the Railroad Commission as well who, uh, will you tell us what basically happened and, and, and quickly. She basically just kind of popped up and is running and, and it showed up in Midland with some very scantily dressed type of social media posting. And, and I'm sorry, do you think that we have any place in the oil and gas industry for that? Uh, that that's not how you get votes, in my opinion. And I'm saying it as a female. We need to keep this clean. And and this was not a, a – I don't think this was funny at all as a female. It was very, very um, disrespectful to, to women. 
Um, how do you see the industry act, acting towards this kind of politics? Um, You're it, like, why did you it, ask it, me that it, question, it, it, is a, it, it is a big challenge, and I, I, I think uh, you, you said it very well. I, I think all of the candidates uh, uh, do have um, uh, reasons for running and, and, and certainly the credentials to run. Uh, I have been supportive of Wayne and our association has been supportive of Wayne because of his track record, because mm -hmm. of the things that he's been able to do under some pretty uh, challenging situations. Uh, uh, we had a, um, an OPEC price war uh, leading into a pandemic, uh, seeing the, the price go negative. Uh, he's also taken on some big challenges as it relates to flaring. Right. Right. And then has led nationally on well plugging right. issues. And so, right. you know, those types of issues is, is what, is what we need to stay focused on and not so much, you know, I'd love to have her join the show. She wants to talk about issues and I'd love to talk to her about her issues. But I think we need to keep it clean. I think we need to keep it respectable. And we need to certainly not condone this kind of behavior. Guys, that's all we have uh, time for for this show. I look forward to having you guys back next month in which we'll cut through some more oil and gas issues. Thank you for listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.